Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Julio Jones, the newest member of the Tennessee Titans. I think Julio Jones would be a good podcast host on the show. You think I'm he knows not sure about- what his knowledge of the NHL the is. NHL. <laughs> maybe he has an Atlanta Thrashers jersey. Wow. Well, maybe he's got a National Predators jersey now. And by the way, those Titans, they tend to uh, gravitate to Bridgestone Arena. They tend to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Julio Jones in a Preds jersey sometime this summer, right? Game one of the playoffs next year, he'll be the ceremonial towel waver. I would not be surprised. He and A.J. Brown together because they yes. are in love. And if they are as good on the field as they, as much as they love each other on social media, they will be disgustingly difficult to stop this year. But this is a hockey podcast. Should we continue talking football? Welcome to the show. I'm also Adam Vingan, not Julio Jones. Sorry. I think people were confused there for a second. I think they might have thought... They might not know what Julio Jones sounds they like. They might have thought so, <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever heard Julio Jones speak other than that interview he did, quote-unquote interview he did with Shannon Sharp. Yeah, that's true. Um, however, people have heard you speak a lot because, like me, we talk a lot. Especially- and I'm getting over a... I don't know if it was a sore throat or what, but the past couple of days my voice has been a bit raspy. But it's starting to feel a little bit better. I, I find it very sensual, actually. I find it very soothing. It's, I think, sensual. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it makes you more attractive. Being, All right, then. Being more raspy, you know, like it's the, the smooth, sultry tones of Adam Vingan. No, uh, you're awkward now. Yeah. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to HR, which is me. Um, all right, so today on the show, we will glance at, I guess, the decision for the Nashville Predators, which is not really official, but. David Poyle's not going anywhere, so I just thought as I'm watching games, a lot of Nashville Predators pieces, former pieces out there floating around in the NHL playoffs right now, I just thought, and we talked about it last week on the show, we sort of need to evaluate the decision to keep David Poyle around and sort of glance at the job he's done, at least building the team, I don't know, back to this point? I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll get into that this week on the show. You have your, you've laid out on, on theathletic.com, pay for good journalism, uh, you've, you've laid out the the perfect offseason sort of process for the Nashville Predators. Also, the difficulty with which you had putting together the expansion list, which should be up on the website, The Athletic, as well. Um, so go check that out. Read, you know, again, read good journalism, pay for good journalism. So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but I had a couple of quick questions about the Stanley Cup playoff to get started here in just a minute. However, Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. See? You didn't find that to be sultry? Stop sexualizing me. <laughs> Says the man who has done a 900 number voice for Jasper's ad read and has told people that if you go to Jasper's, you might get laid. But I'm not sexualizing anybody. Are you sexualizing the food at Jasper's? I mean, it is pretty sexy food. I agree. It does have nice presentation. So can I not say, hey, I like your voice a little deeper and no. have it not be sexualized? No. That's impossible? Yes. Okay. I'm not a piece of meat, which you can find at Jasper's. <laughs> Cooked in a lot of different ways, by the way. Yes. You got barbacoa on the quesadilla. You've got steaks. You've got burgers. You've got chicken. You've got seafood. I had a Creole roll. I know you're a big New Orleans guy. I am. They got the Creole roll, which is delicious. They got the shrimp and goodies, which is like my personal favorite on the entire menu. It's it's so much good stuff. They've added scallops on the on the entree. So go to Jasper's free parking. Great place to hang and watch the game. Great happy hour, 4 to 6 p.m. every single day. And their happy hours, by the way, Adam, 
their happy hours aren't this like stupid crappy dollar off nonsense that you get somewhere else at some other places. This is like half price for a, a burger and a beer. Instead of twenty three dollars, you're you're spending ten dollars. That that is a happy hour, my friend. Okay, I'm sick and tired of these like little little happy hours that just dance around the edges of pretending to be something that they're not. You know yes. what I mean? <laughs> All right, under the show. So I, I was watching the the. I don't know about you. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the Stanley Cup playoffs. I kind of like the format. I don't think it's ever gonna. I don't think any parts of this format are ever gonna sort of seep into the future of the NHL playoff format. But have you liked it? Have you enjoyed it? Do you think that the NHL should look at things that are taking place in this postseason and 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 consider using any of it? What what do you think when you see the the, the format play out so far? We're about midway through round two. No, I I like it. I would prefer the NHL went to this format permanently, um, do away with conferences, have four divisions, um, have those teams battle it out over two rounds, then have the top four teams recede. So for example, the Montreal Canadiens, who um, have won seven consecutive playoff games, um, swept the Winnipeg Jets after the Jets swept the Oilers. They are the worst remaining team in the field, so they will play the best remaining team in the field, which will be the winner of the Colorado-Vegas series. So either Colorado or Vegas will play Montreal in the Stanley Cup semifinals, which leaves the winner of the Bruins and Islanders series to play the winner of the Lightning and Hurricane series. And I like the idea that the NHL postseason is no longer constrained by conferences. So it, it is a fascinating thought because every other sport right. is so, like that. So this year, for example, it might work out that, let's say, Colorado beats Vegas, and then Colorado beats Montreal. The four other teams on the other side are Eastern Conference teams. So, so it would still be right. a Eastern-Western type final. But you know, Montreal could pull off another major upset and it could be Montreal versus Tampa Bay, who are typically in the same division um, it's for so much the Stanley more of a, Cup final. It's so much more of a college basketball, college football thing. Because right. it, 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 <laughs> I, I don't think the schedule in the regular season is going to stay that. Like that, That'll never be considered, right? Like They're, they're always going to have whatever number they go back to. I'm assuming it's 82. Whatever the number they go back to, they're never going to have division-only scheduling. That, that's never going to be a thing. But the but the midway point is what you're suggesting, is to go with, all right, we're going to sort of destructuralize the playoff to some degree to make sure we get what the best matchups or or favor the best teams. I mean that's kind of what we're doing here is what you're talking about, and it's far more like the Final Four or college football than it is any other professional sport. Yeah, and I, I just think that that would be, it's more fun this way. Um, the idea that two teams, it should be the best two teams playing each other in the final, um, regardless of conference. So the NHL is going to go back to the Eastern Western conference format next season. The typical divisions for the most part are going to return. Um, the central division that we're used to, um, will be back with the addition of Arizona. So Nashville, Chicago, and Dallas will be rejoined by Minnesota, Colorado, Winnipeg, and St. Louis. St. Louis. Well, welcome back, you four awesome hockey and teams. And then <laughs> add Arizona to the mix. So yeah. 
I'm not sure. I assume the playoff format will be similar to what it was before this year, but I would, if I had the say, I would say just go with what this is forever. How do you see, because like, I already have a problem with sort of the, the one seed in each division and then the two, three playing and, the, and then the, the four being the wild card or the five. I, I already sort of had a problem with that dating back to the Winnipeg Nashville series when you have the best two teams in the league having to play in the second round. And what, what this solves is that problem, right? Now, I don't know how you seed them. How do you seed the first round? <laughs> like, it's easy to seed this strategy because the playoff structure, because the regular season structure was so organized, right? Like, it, it's easier to do. What's interesting is in the NFL, AFC, NFC, it's not geographic. It's just sort of, it just is what it is. But in, but in and Major League Baseball is the same way. But in the NBA and in the NHL, Western and Eastern actually means Western and Eastern. So you you're not you never get necessarily the top two teams in the NHL. Rarely do you get the 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 best two highest scoring Presidents Trophy ish teams, right? Even if you're the one seed in the one seed, it may not be the best two teams. Wasn't it Pittsburgh and Washington a few different times? I mean, think about the second round in 2018. The Predators and Jets were the best two teams in the NHL. Um, I've really enjoyed, like I said, I've really enjoyed this format. It's made the postseason a lot more interesting and i wish the nhl would just go with it i mean we don't need conferences um i think four divisions would be fine and you can reseed when you reach the final four and go from there so that i i i would do that um and the only difference would be you would allow teams to play outside of their division in the regular season yes but it would still just be one v four two v three in every division. Correct. That still doesn't necessarily eliminate the chance of the best two teams being having played each other in the first two rounds, though. No, it doesn't. Right? It's not perfect. But I like the idea okay. of two teams that typically would not play in the Stanley Cup final playing in the Stanley Cup final. Like, if it's... Like I said, I don't think this is going to... Well, I mean, I, no one thought they were going to beat the Maple Leafs and no one thought they were going to beat the Jets. <laughs> but if the Canadians win and, you know, and, and play the Bruins in the final, that's a, I mean, that's a gigantic rivalry and it's the, and to determine the Stanley cup champion. I mean, my God, like that's appointment television. And it makes for interesting matchups in the, in the semifinals too. teams that you may not, like you just said, you could have Colorado playing Montreal, which would never happen until you got to the Stanley cup final in a a regular format. So it, it, it just creates new and different playoff rivalries while also hopefully putting the best teams together in the championship round. I like right? the idea of Colorado playing Montreal because you've got the former Nordiques versus <laughs> the Canadians. So that would be an interesting wrinkle. The other thing I noticed, and this is just a small, quick conversation before we segue into to, to Poyle, but, and, and I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year when they sold advertising for the name of the divisions. And we kind of joked about it a few times, the Discover whatever division, Central Division. They've got the Bridgestone logo on the side of the Predators helmet. They've got a little bit more uh, digital real estate on the ice that they're selling, right? This And a lot of that was to counterbalance the, the pandemic financial losses. Here's my thought, though. Does a business ever, like, stop using a strategy that generates revenue once they start generate re- generating revenue? Like, do you ever see that real estate on the helmet, on the ice, on the boards? Definitely not on the seats because you have to sell those because the tarps, you know, are what they are. I just don't. Why would the NHL give that back? I don't know. I, I just see it being a part of the game. The NBA's got it on the uniforms. I, I don't know if the yeah. I don't know if the 
sponsor divisions will continue, but I think the helmet ads will continue. Yeah. I agree. And and look, I think a lot of people when it was announced that there would be helmet ads, people were like up in arms because everybody gets mad about everything. <laughs> um I I wasn't bothered by any of them. I actually like maybe I'm alone in this. I actually like the the logos on the NBA jerseys. I think it gives them a a, a bit I don't know. I don't know how to describe you it. You like advertising on like, you like what, corporate logos on uniforms. Like not like in soccer where like the entire front right. is a, is a sponsor of some kind like which 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 soccer club has Air Emirates on their jerseys? Uh, I, I believe that's Manchester Man, United. Manchester believe, United. Yeah. What does Nashville SC as you wear your Nashville SC shirt? What do they have uh, on there? Renaissance Banking, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not talking about replacing the Predators right. logo with a Bridgestone B, <laughs> like in the middle of the chest, right? But I like, like, <laughs> Just I, like a bunch of bees. watching the NBA. I don't know. I kind of like the little logo on on the on the sleeve. Like I was watching the Nets game the other night, and they're sponsored by Motorola. And they've got the Motorola logo. I kind of like it. See, here's the thing. I don't. If your if my choice is corporate logo on uniform or not, I'm gonna vote not. Okay. If my if but if it's like, hey, you have to do it. I think the to your point, I think the NBA has figured out a really smart way to do it. Generally, you you match up the color scheme. Right? Yes. The Motorola black M with the Nets jersey. Yes. The GE on the Celtics is green. It yes. stays green. Like it. It sort of it fades in a little bit better from a graphic design standpoint. And Montreal did this for all their tarps. Montreal, all the Montreal's tarps are all just, they're red or blue Montreal colors with white logos. Mm-hmm. So no company can use their own branding. It's, it's sort of like a mix. The Dallas Cowboys do this as well. Like if you're going to sponsor the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to do it in blue and silver. <laughs> like that's the way it's done. I never cared. I, have ne- I never noticed the, the corporate logos on the helmets. Just like you don't notice the logos on the NBA jerseys when you're watching the game 90% of the time. It's only when they cut to the close up do you ever actually see it. I also it. think it adds a level of authenticity. You know, like I I like I loved collecting jerseys when I was younger and you know if I if I was still very much I'm not very much into that anymore. But if I if I were like I'm going to buy a Nets jersey and I like and you I want like, the Motorola logo. And on I it. want the Motorola logo what on it. What if you're a big I, uh what if you're a big StarTech guy? What if, you know, I guess that's a Motorola phone. What, I'm what a big the, Razor guy. What was it? What was the competitor to Motorola back in the day? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. What was their bef- uh, sidekick? I don't know. T-Mobile, <laughs> BlackBerry, BlackBerry. Yeah, exactly. Like what? You know, I, I mean, I, like the Clippers. I don't know if the Clippers ha- are sponsored by Bumble anymore, but they were, which was hilarious. Yeah. The, the dating app that is funny. Um, so. So, but like if I like so there, are, I don't like the ones on the ice. There are hockey. There are hockey teams in Europe whose jerseys look like billboards. I believe in the KHL. KHL for sure. In the KHL, yeah. I, I can't remember. I'm sorry, KHL fans out there. Jo- Jokerit? I don't. Well, Jokerit was the team that like Ellie Tolvin didn't play But his for. uniform was covered in stuff. But I'm thinking of whichever team Ilya Kovalchuk played for for this year, Moscow or St. Petersburg. I don't know. But I think they had like huge Gatorade Gs on their shoulders. And it's like, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the helmet ads don't bother me whatsoever. I don't, and I'm with you. I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't think they're going anywhere. What I think is interesting is that some teams, I can't remember which ones, had different sponsors based on their home and road. 
So on the road, their helmet had one sponsorship at home because they wear different colored helmets. Had a different, yeah, had a different, uh, different one. You know, the Predators had Bridgestone, no matter what, right. which makes a lot of sense. And I would, I wouldn't be surprised if those remained. I, I had no problem with them. It, like when I saw them in action, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, it makes I'm, sense. I'm with you, and I don't see the NHL giving up. They're that. not looking like NASCAR drivers right. out there, and I don't think the NHL is going to give up that real estate. I just don't. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't like the digital. I know they do it on the boards, and that's fine. And the boards are sort of a wrapped advertising thing that's been well, that's in been like forever. that for right. a long time. So, like, leave the ice clean, though. I, I don't. It's getting a little crowded for my taste. And I think and, and you digitally should just, just it, like I don't like Montreal's such a powerful brand, and they can sell every corner of their their rink, right? Like they can sell it to four different companies. I don't know if Nashville can do that. Maybe they can, but I, the ice to me is a little more sacred. <laughs> like, like one sponsor and just leave it be. I'm okay with the advertisements in the neutral zone. Um, so you have you have the center ice logo, and you have you know one ad in each corner, but the ads, the digitalized ads, up like under right underneath the blue line, and the advertisements yeah. behind the goal line. I agree. I could I could do without those, I but agree. I think the the four logos inside the neutral zone, I'm okay with. Like that's been okay. around for a while. I think it should be limited to that though. Okay. If I had my choice. I'm I'm with you on that one and I never once uttered the phrase the discover central division standings. So no. I don't think any I'm with you. I don't think anyone's gonna notice uh, about that. All right, which brings me to my experience the last two nights, which would have been a Monday and Tuesday night watching hockey. Had a great time as we just talked about with the new the, the new format, the matchups. You know, watching Montreal and Winnipeg in a series is just fascinating because it would never happen. So it's interesting. Um, but I did notice something because Monday evening, Barry Trotz and the Islanders held off a, a really crazy comeback from Boston in Boston to win game five, go up 3-2. And I'm watching Barry Trotz coaches, you know, stones off in that game. And then it flips immediately to the Montreal series. I think it was game three on Monday night, which, of course, they won. And I'm immediately watching Shea Weber do something, you know, crazy. Then the next night you're watching Colorado and I'm watching Sam Girard all, all off season, just skate around like, like crazy. Um, like Minnesota, really good team this year, bunch of ex predators on that roster. And it was hard not to watch all the teams playing hockey still and not think about the fact that David Poyle largely <laughs> decided to rid the, themselves of all of those pieces. And I just wanted to ask you as we sort of, transition into talking about the fact that David Poyle is going to return as the general manager. Is that too much? Am I reading too much into my experience? Is it too hyper-focused on this this week that I'm seeing all this ex-predator stuff find this amazing levels of success out there in the world? Like, am I, is that just a me thing? I mean, I wrote a story last summer uh, when the Islanders were in the Eastern Conference Final, I believe. Um, about what would have happened if the Predators never had let go of Barry Trotz. Like I, I talked to a couple people who played for Barry and who fought and watched Barry, and I thought it was an interesting conversation. Um, I think it was last September, so you could dig through the archives and find it. Um, but when I look back at some of the the moves that you're referencing, the the Shea Weber for PK Subban trade is an interesting one because at the time the trade was made. I don't think anybody would have complained about the trade. Um, P.K. Subban was still in his prime, um, incredibly exciting player, more suited to the way that Peter Laviolette wanted to play. 
Shay was getting older. He was getting slower. Tons of cash still left on the he, deal. Yes, he had a, a lot of uh, of salary left uh, on his uh, now illegal contract. You know, it is a cap <laughs> recapture contract. Um, but when 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 that trade went down, nobody said, "Man, the Predators made a huge mistake." I think, I think fans were stunned. They didn't realize how good P.K. Subban was. I mean, I we think. were all stunned. But I, I think the general sentiment was the Predators ended up in the right here. And think about the first couple of years for both players on their new teams. P.K. Subban helps lead the Yep. Helps lead the Predators to a Stanley Cup final in his first season. The following season, he's a Norris Trophy finalist. Shea Weber struggled with injury to his knees, I believe, and his ankles. Um, you know, wasn't, you know, did not look like the player he was, it, you know, in his quote-unquote prime. Uh, so it looked like the Predators got the better end of it. But then PK declined. The Predators traded him. For nothing. For nothing. And Shea Weber is having a renaissance, but in hindsight, I wouldn't. I would have made that trade again. It, the the two big ones are trading Shea Weber and firing Barry Trotz. They are impossible to judge currently. I think you almost need like five more years. <laughs> to, well, I to think judge with them. Barry Trotz, like because Trotz has gone to what three? He's won a Stanley Cup. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's been to one final. He's gone to three semifinals. He's on his way now as we speak. You, you may be listening to this. He's already won game six, and they might already be in the, the semifinal already. But they don't go to the cup final without Lavi and without P.K. Subban. So I those two are very hard for me. The other ones are easier. Sam Girard, sorry, dude, terrible yeah. move. Yes. <laughs> terrible trade. Yes. Seth Jones, I, I don't know. Would you rather have Seth Jones, or does that stop you from going to the cup? Because well, Ryan Seth, Johansson was so great well, in that Seth series. Seth Jones now is probably on his way out of Columbus. Somebody asked me today if the Predators should trade back for Seth Jones, which would be hilarious, but I don't expect but, that to happen. But not because he's bad at hockey, though. No, because he just doesn't want to sign in Columbus. Exactly. Um, but um, Minnesota. It's the same thing. Fiala. With, but with the same. But and but I fit. But you know what? Like, Granlin's been solid. The, the 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 emergence of Mikhail Granlund, especially since the coaching change, I think makes that trade a bit easier to swallow. At the time when. He was barely playing under Peter Laviolette, and Kevin Fiala was blooming. It looked terrible. Right. But and even though Granlund is the older player, and there is less certainty about him returning than Fiala sticking in Minnesota, I understand all of that. But I, you know, think about where this team would have been this season yeah. without Mikhail Granlund. Yeah. Um, but Cunning over Bonino, I I argue that's still a solid trade. I I have no problem with that. Yeah, um, I agree. But the thing about Barry Trotz, and this was part of the argument I made in that article I referenced. At the time, I wasn't here at that time, but at the time, I think everybody knew it was time for a change. And and some of the arguments I got from the people I talked to for that story is that Barry would not have developed into the coach he is now if he would have stayed in Nashville. It was the experience yeah. of going to Washington. It was the experience of coaching a roster, the likes of which he had never seen in terms of the offensive talent, Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, John Carlson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, etc. Um, like, like he would not have like if the same moves had been made that summer. You know, Patrick Hornquist is traded for James Neal, 
and Shay, and then the following summer or two summer, you know, I think it was two summers later, uh, you know, Shea Weber traded for PK Subban. Like, I still think Barry could have gotten a lot out of those teams, yeah. but I feel like he needed to leave Nashville and see what else was out there and learn a different kind of coaching style. Yeah. In order to, I remember talking to a, a player who played for Barry in Nashville, who felt like it it, it was the it, like I just said that learning how to coach superstars like Ovechkin and Matthew Barzal and Nicholas Backstrom has helped him become the coach he is, which he never really had in Nashville. Wouldn't PK Subban have done that potentially for him? Maybe in theory, maybe. But like you, we don't know that. Like that. Yeah. I look. I don't think we can. I don't think the Predators made a mistake by letting go of Barry. Trons. Right. I, I think. And again, when we're trying to, he's evaluate, a damn good coach. That's what he right. is. It's and he was, a, and he was very good for the Predators for a long time. It just sort of like you said, time for a change. I, I think this is a really complicated conversation. And when you look at the reason all of these different things are very complicated and nuanced, is because it all ties back to the evaluation of David Poyle. David Poyle is not going anywhere as the general manager. We kind of tried to tell you this hmm. all all season, I think, right? I think this show was was basically saying from the beginning that David Poyle and John Hines are not going to go anywhere. But I do think all of that stuff is now part of the evaluation moving forward because now we have to package in the rebuild, quote-unquote rebuild, of this particular group, right? Firing Peter Laviolette, bringing in John Hines, getting rid of Kyle Turris, getting rid of some of these pieces, bringing in Matt Duchesne, bringing in... The jam that he brought up, brought in all of last season, trying to re-sign Mikhail Granlin. All of this stuff is now a part of the five to six year evaluation of David Poyle, which has to include all of those things we just talked about. And and as we age and get further away from the Stanley Cup loss to Pittsburgh, the Barry Trotz Shea Weber decisions aren't as clean. Does that make sense? I still think you're right. I still think you should have done them. I don't think you can argue that they weren't the right moves. But as we get further removed, the longer-term view of those trades, it's not getting better. No. Or those decisions. I understand that. But like I said, I, like with, with when you use the example of Sam Girard, like we probably knew at the time that that was going to bite them in the ass, and it did. With, with P.K. Subban and Shea Weber, I don't think you could have predicted that Shea in his mid-30s was going to, to, to sip from the quote-unquote fountain of youth. Um, okay. That's so fair. I like, and who knows Barry Trotz the way, goes on the and way things the were trending is. for Shea in the first couple of years after he was traded, it looked like a steal of major proportions right, right. for the Predators and PK Subban, despite the fact that yes, the Predators basically just dumped his salary um, three years later. I mean, PK without PK Subban, they would not have accomplished the things that they accomplished. I agree. I also there's also an element of the brand wouldn't be what it is today without that run. And th- there wouldn't be the same connectivity of, in the market. Nashville wouldn't have the same appeal that it does nationally with the NHL and with fans, right? Like without that run with those players and PK Subban in particular, with that style of play and that team, we don't have the lower Broadway thing, <laughs> right? We don't have all of the the attention that the city gained and the fans that have now become diehard Preds fans in the process. So. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't second guess the decisions. It's just hard not to see it visually when you literally watch a game where Barry Trotz is one win away from a the semifinals and then you immediately cut to Shea Weber winning a game. By the way, the end of that game, do you remember the hit at the end of that game? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I don't remember who's Montre- who Montreal, which player it was, but that dude got decapitated. Yes. Good God. That was Jake Evans. And Jay- Shea Weber dove right in there. 
Um, that was that was as, as nasty a hockey hit as you'll ever see. I just it's fascinating to evaluate all these things while you're watching one thing and trying to remember the other, and then think about where the team's going in the future. So, I have one question. When we come back, I have one question, one concept, one idea. I want to float to you, Adam, about the front office of the Nashville Predators and see what you think. Okay. We'll do that when we come back, along with a few other things from Adam, his perfect offseason, and what the hell he's going to do with his expansion article. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on The Gold Standard. Gold Standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Is going to Jaspers and deciding on what to eat off of their fantastic menu easier or harder than deciding who the Predators should keep in the expansion draft? Much, much easier. Yeah, you have a lot more lot more options to you choose from. You have a lot more options. And you can't lose at the at Jaspers. <laughs> right. There's no bad decision, right? No, there's no bad decision at Jaspers. Free parking, great happy hour, great grab-and-go market, private dining room if you want to have an event. They got the shuffleboard, which is my favorite bar. A game, a game, a toy at the bar. A bar game? A bar game. What would be your favorite bar game, Adam? Besides picking the Preds, I like. Tri- I mean, list. I like trivia. I like trivia. Okay. And sometimes some places have those like electronic trivia games that you can, you know, sit up next to at the bar. Um, I like the room wide trivia better than the electronic trivia. Yeah, I like room wide trivia. It's more fun. Um, it's more of a communal experience. Yes. I'm trying to think of what darts. Other bar- no, cornhole. No. Golden, you know, you know one I've never gotten. Golden, the tea? love of golden tea. I don't understand the love of golden tea. You just smack a ball as hard as you can, and you just watch a computer screen. I, I don't know. I love Tiger Woods golf or whatever, but well, now there is a, there has been a. I feel like the video game slash arcade bars are now very popular. Yep. Um. So I always like a solid arcade game at a bar. They have a, I believe, a Pac Man, a vintage Pac Man machine at yes, Jasper's. vintage, vintage, yeah. Arcade games are always a good bar activity, whether it's Pac-Man, NBA Jam, or NBA Jam, or the Simpsons, the Simpsons arcade game, the Ninja Turtles arcade Ninja game. Ninja Turtles, now we're talking. Jaspers, um, are you listening to all the games yes. you need to go buy? Um, what, like, I'm trying to think of some of the older ones. They're probably expensive as hell, too. Like, oh, yeah. the vintage ones are probably, like, gaining in value, actually. NFL Blitz. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um... <laughs> trying to think of what else. I, I, you know what I would play? Mortal Kombat. You know what I would I would play at a bar, Jaspers, if you're listening to this? I would play Mario Kart at a table on a big screen with like my three buddies drinking beer. With like a, with like controllers that are cordless and like you just sit back and you watch on the big screen and you just play and then like the next table has down, you know, or something like that. Hmm. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes, it would be fun. Be hard, I do it'd be very hard much to eat. enjoy Mario Kart. Yeah. It would be it would be hard to eat. <laughs> I mean, billiards is you know fine too. That, you know? A pool table, yes, pool table, good old fashioned, good old fashioned pool table. Um, I'm a big fan of skee ball. Love skee ball, skee ball, and Papa shot. Ski, I didn't like Papa shot, but skee ball. Oh man, just give me all fav- those tickets, baby. One of my favorite bars in, in Washington, which I don't think is open anymore, but it used to be. It used to be. Down the street from the Verizon Center, now the I don't know what they call it now the Capital One Arena, where the Capitals and Wizards play. Go to Jasper's. Um, go to Jasper's. Um, it was called Iron Horse, and they had um, two skee ball machines downstairs. Love skee ball, man. Skee ball the was only, good. I, if I ever went to an arcade, that's the only game I played was skee ball. That's the only thing I love skee. I could play skee ball all day. 
Go to Jasper's. They do There's not have plenty ski- of room for all of these things at yes. Jasper's if they were to make that decision. They do not have a skee ball machine, but they do have shuffleboard, which is my favorite bar game. It, it is I'm number not, one on my list. When I, I mean, I my my memories of playing shuffleboard are playing it with old people at my grandmother's retirement it's community. That's a different game. That's shuffleboard. It's though. a different shuffleboard where I, you have like the little thing. Yeah, and that's you a push. different. That's a different shuffleboard. These are the little pucks on the curling sa- the sanded table. It is a mixture of curling and putting putt putt, which is why I love it. Now we if you it's could, like bocce ball and curling. If you on could tabletop. get some, if you could get some miniature golf up in there, <laughs> I don't think you could make that work. Go to Jazz. I don't think you can. Uh, you got like a like one of the wonderful servers walking through with like three plates of food, and all of a sudden the ball's bouncing off a windmill. Like that wouldn't. I don't think that would play well. Mm. <laughs> Go to Jasper's, where you will not be hit in the head by a putt putt ball, but you can play shuffleboard and a vintage arcade game and rent out the game room. And they do have a fantastic dartboards, like you know, like original vintage legit dartboards. So great menu, great parking, all that good stuff. Go to Jasper's. It's a great place to go watch the game. All right, Adam, we will get to a couple of pieces you've worked on for The Athletic. You've already laid out what you think the perfect offseason should look like. You've also struggled with the expansion list (laughs) for what the Preds should do. But you can go read both of those articles, of course, on theathletic.com, pay for good journalism. But let me run an idea past you, see what you think about this first, before we get to your... Your, your pieces on The Athletic. Uh, this is never going to happen. I'm not sure it's ever happened in the NHL. And it's just not a thing that people need to think is real. But I, I like being creative in these moments in the offseason. And I think the Predators could be creative with the future of David Poyle. He's not going anywhere, right? How happy, would, how happy are Preds fans when they hear that news in your mind? That he's coming back? Yeah. Um the ones that comment on my stories regularly are not happy about it at all. You think, what do you think? Half and half probably split on the fan base on whether or not David Poyle should, should be the GM. I would or not? say it's slightly more towards him not being the GM than being the GM. I would say 60, 40. So if we, if the predators were to announce that David Poyle or even David Poyle announces that he is, this is his last year as the general manager coming up this next season is his last year as the general manager of the national predators. He announces the name of the person he's hired or that the Predators have hired, whoever makes the decision, to be the general manager. So now he's got like an associate general manager or general manager in waiting, whatever you want to call it. And he or she works side by side in lockstep with David Poyle and says, I will retire at the end of the season, move on to a new role. Could that in theory make everybody happy? Like that kind of creativity and that sort of outside the box thinking wouldn't that like isn't that good business sound business and also pleasing your fan base to some degree as well like i i'm not suggesting that david poyle a very competitive guy wants to step away he he probably doesn't but you know he's going to have to step away at some time so if you announce it doesn't that calm the fan base down a little bit it and- depends on who the person is if it's somebody that they don't like let's ass- let's assume for the sake of conversation that it's a good decision that they that they decide that the right per they find the right person for the job, right? Just assume that that's happened. I don't know. I think it. First of all, were you influenced by Duke's recent decision with Mike Shashevsky <laughs> no. retiring and no. announcing that John Shire would be his replacement? No, but I do want to know what you think about John Shire, though. I love John Shire. I, I think Duke fans do. I, I actually was not. I thought about this before that was announced, but I do. I think there is. 
there is continuity, stability, like sort of like I can see the rational and the logical behind the decision, if that makes sense. Yes. Even though it's very outside the box and very, I don't want to say very unique because you're going to yell at me. <laughs> but, Steve agreed with but, me. By, yeah, the way. by the way, Steve Cavendish agreed with you. Yes. Glad to hear you listening to the pod. Um, I, I don't know. It's never been, is, has it ever been done in the NHL? Uh, not that I can think of. It's no. done in head coaching all the time. Why couldn't it be done for a front office position? I mean, there's no reason why it can't happen. I just think it won't happen, um, of course. Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting theory. Let me hear the wheels. I want to. Hear I think the... it might just complicate things, though. Okay. Why do you say that? I don't know. I just think that, like, you know, what if, like, what if the GM in waiting has differs in opinion with David on something? You know, and that if David's going to be retiring the following year, you know, shouldn't the GM in waiting have more say in in some sort of in some matters because he's going to be the one that's responsible for those things? Like, if you're the GM in waiting, do you want David making moves that you're going to have to fix if they don't work out? Well, the idea is that you work together, hopefully. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's just too complicated. That two people can't be, you know, that it's just too hard for two people to sort of sit at that table and make those decisions together. I mean, I I wouldn't think it's that much different than a general manager and, a, and an owner in a, in a professional sport, right? Like when you have a singular powerful owner, Jerry Jones for the Cowboys or whatever, and, and a head coach, don't they, or a GM, don't they sort of have to work together to make personnel decisions in theory? In theory, yes. In theory, communism works. In theory. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure if it works in theory. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting idea. I'm just not sure. You're not into it. I'm, I, I, just, I'm, I just don't know how it would work. I think it would please the fans to have a timeline. That they know what's going on. And you can celebrate David Poyle for a whole year. He does his farewell tour. He's often all over the place. Everyone's giving him bobbleheads and awards and plaques when he comes to town to watch the team play when they travel next year. Like there is, I I do enjoy the farewell tour aspect of the idea. Um, so I don't know. Just it was just an idea that hit me, and sounds like you're you're kind of poo pooing my idea. Poo poo pee do. It's fine. Okay. You can read this on the Athletics if you'd like to follow along at home and play the at home game, uh, the at home version of the game, the game we're about to play. Please. Do so. This was Adam Vingan's perfect offseason, and what would it look like for the Nashville Predators? Number one on the bullet point list, re-sign Mikhail Granlund. As I wrote in the article, I feel like Granlund embodies the identity that the Predators are trying to build. Um, I thought he did a really good job holding down the second-line center position. Um, John Hines clearly loves him. And I think that it would be wise for the Predators to explore a contract extension. So I think yep. it would be important to keep them around. About 15, 16, 17 million total over three years-ish is a, is a starting point there. I think Granlund largely is dependent on if on the last bullet point on this list, but we'll get to that in a second. If, if there is some... <clears throat> eight, Four years, 20. If there's an $8 million uh, space in the cap that isn't there now, for example... I think it makes bringing back uh, Granlin far easier. There's no question about it. Number two on the list, UC Saros signs a short-term deal with a cap hit no higher than $4 million. What are the odds that happens? That I don't know. Um, history would suggest, however, that it's possible because most goalies okay. in UC's situation, you know, mid-20s coming off of an, you know, be, you know sign, you know, he's an RFA this summer. Um 
most goalies in his situation. I use Philip Grubauer as an example, but you could point to some other ones. Tristan Jari, Jordan Bennington, uh, Jonas Corposalo, Elvis Merzlikens. A lot of those goalies who were RFAs sign shorter-term deals. Um, I think it would be wise um, for the Predators to go down that route. I think my this is me speaking completely hypothetically. I think a three-year, $12 million contract would make perfect sense for UC. He would get a, a significant raise from 1.5 a year to four. Um, but the Predators could continue to evaluate him, see if he is the starter we think he is, and give themselves an out if it doesn't work out and Yaroslav Askarov is ready by the end of the contract. Yeah, It definitely hinges on Askarov being ready to go. Um, and he's very young right now, that's for sure. Number three on the list, Pekka Rene returns for one more season, which as it stands, as we tape this, seems like it's getting more and more likely. We talked about last week. How much does it cost, I think, is a key. I think fans would obviously talk about farewell tours, right? Like, come back on a one-year deal. Everyone knows it might is probably your last year, right? Like, isn't that a celebration of Pekka Rene at that point? I just think that Pekka did not sound like a goalie who's ready to retire. And although he did not close the door on uh, signing with another team when I asked him about it last week, um, I just have a hard time seeing that happen as well. Um, here's the thing that Pekka needs to understand, and I'm sure he does. He's a very smart guy. He's not going to be a starter anywhere, especially somewhere where the team is ready to win. If he wants to sign with another team, like, does he want to go to Edmonton? Like, Yes, you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but their asses got swept by the Winnipeg Jets, who got swept by the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, how much does Pekka have in the tank is the question. Does he I think don't he th can still start 50 games? No, like, I don't think no. so. I think when it comes down to it, I think Pekka could play 30 games, provide adequate backup goaltending, and no better place than here where all of his stuff is. I, <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, and again, it would be a really fun year for the fans to sort of say goodbye to Pekka that way. Uh, Victor Arbitson, number four on the list. Victor Arbitson is traded for future assets. This is something we've talked about on the show. I, I don't know how much he's how much he gets you in return, but he certainly makes the expansion draft easier. And he sort of that counts as sort of breaking up the core, even if he is beloved. Yeah, I just think it's time. I, I look at Victor and think about his first few years in the league and how exciting of a player he was and how uh, prolific of a goal scorer he was. And then I look at Victor Robertson over the past couple of years and I don't see any of that anymore. Um, so you might be selling low, uh, but if you're trying to get back some future assets that you did not get by not doing anything at the trade deadline, I think this is an opportunity. As you said, I think it makes the expansion situation a bit easier to navigate um, because you don't have to worry about protecting him or losing him for nothing. Um, but if I think it's time for the core group of this team to be shaken up and Arvidsson of that group probably is the easiest to move. Yeah. I know I we've agree. talked about trading Ryan Ellis. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Um, number five on your list is replacing Victor Arvidsson with Philip Tomasino. Yes. And there's no way to know if that's, if he's ready for that other than to see it happen just the way we saw it happen with Alex Carrier or watched Ellie Tolvin and develop, you know, it, it, you sort of have to see it to believe it. Um, but all signs point to this this kid being the, the real deal. And so if you're going to move Victor Arvidsson, you better be confident that Philip Tomasino can play. And I think they should be. Um, he was named to the AHL All-Rookie Team. 
He had 32 points in 29 games. I know this is an outdated outdated statistic, but he was plus 20 this season. The AHL's uh, statistics are not as uh, the breadth of the statistics is not right. as avail you know not as wide as in the NHL. Uh, but a plus 20, um, you know, really motivated kid. Heard nothing but good things about him um, from the coaching staff in Chicago, which included Carl Taylor. Um, this season, by the way, the Milwaukee Admirals will return this coming AHL season. Woohoo! Uh, very exciting. Um, so really, really solid development team, man. It's been great. You know, I think Carl Taylor deserves a ton of credit. Yeah. I think, you know, I think coming up soon, when you look at lists of potential uh, head coaches in the NHL, I think Carl's going to get a lot of buzz. I think he's done a really good job. Um, Agreed. So... And the Predators would be wise not to let that happen. So whether it means adding him to John Hines' staff or whatever. Yeah, don't let him get away. Don't let Carl get away. So, I, I mean, I'm confident in it. And I think, you know, I wrote this in, in a mailbag I did yesterday. But I think this team is in need of a soft reset. And I just think that this team's current, this current team, their quote-unquote window, which I know you hate windows, but... The, the I actually I like I like windows. I know you like. We don't like believe normal in them in windows. sports. Yes, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> love a love a nice bay window. I think you know? yes. I think the, I think <laughs> the championship window of this particular group is over, um, and I think the Predators should avoid trying to go all in to keep it open. I think the best, the best course of action, would be to continue to rely on the up and comers, as you saw this season. Add Tomasino to that mix. And look, it might mean being a bubble team for a couple more years, but I think it's better than trading assets and trying to keep a window open that clearly isn't open anymore. I I know this is a much longer conversation that we're not going to have today, but what do you accomplish? And we did a whole podcast about this early in the year when the Preds sucked. What do you accomplish during those couple years of being a bubble team is what matters, right? Right. Like that's what matters is what, okay, we're we're relying on the young team and we're not going to be as good. Well, what else do you do? Do you acquire future stars? Are you acquiring the right pieces to, to then elevate yourself back up? And that that's that's the real question. So, again, we'll, we'll see. But Tomasino needs to be a big part of the future moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think number seven. I don't know what number we're at. Uh, at least one of Matias Ekholm. numbered. <laughs> yeah. At least one of Matias Ekholm or Philip Forsberg agrees to a contract extension. And I think your argument about this is, is right, which is it's not like you obviously want to see both of them come back. They have one year left on both of their deals and you can resign them beginning July 28th when free agency begins that of course those contracts don't kick in until next year, but with a flat cap, the key here is that at least it gives David Poyle or whoever the GM will be in two years, knowledge of what his cap looks like, right? It just give, it would give, it would give the predators a better handle on their cap situation moving forward to know, okay, We've got Matias at home signed for six more years at $7 million after this. Yep. So it helps that way. Yep. Uh, moving right along here. And this is the one that's like the most nebulous to me, but you have Dante Fabro rises to the challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's no way to know that. You just hope that Dante Fabro has the summer of his life. Clearly the team believes in him. I, I don't think they're paying him lip service by saying all of the things that they said. Um, at the end of the season. Um, I think John Hines does believe in him, despite the fact that he did not play in the playoffs. I think it would be poor asset management to leave Dante exposed in the expansion draft. He's not even 23. He'll be 23 later this month. Um, No reason to give up on him yet. 
So I think if Dante Fabro can take this end of season to heart and motivate himself to come back even better, I think that would benefit the Predators. And last on your list, which leads us into the other exercise you're trying to finish right now for the Athletic, is Matt Duchesne is exposed to and selected by the Seattle Kraken, which ties into Dante Fabro and Alex Carrier. We had a conversation before the pod. I think Carrier is ahead of Fabro if I'm ranking defensemen that I'm trying to protect in the expansion draft. And obviously, we've talked a lot about this on the show. Uh, I'm going to start with how hard has it been for you to put together your expansion list for the Nashville Predators for your job at The Athletic? A lot harder than it was four years ago. Four <laughs> years ago, it was so easy. Um, this time, it's very difficult. Um have you settled as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon? Have you settled on a list yet? No, I have not. <laughs> and what I write anyway, I mean, who knows if I'm going to be right. I mean, it's changing all the time. I mean, the predators are going through these exercises too. Um, but I, you know what I was, did you listen to the end of season interviews from the players? I, I heard some of them. Yes. Okay. I was a bit put off by Matt Duchesne in his interview. <laughs> you mean, you mean fact checking his saber metrics? Th- that. And how when he was asked about John Hines, how he basically danced around the entire question. You know, it's clear that there's some sort of disconnect between the two, and that happens. And maybe maybe this is unfair, but I feel like Matt Duchesne is trying to blame everybody but himself for his problems. I, I could see how you could read that. And I just think that it was a mistake. It was always like he was always going to be overpaid. That's what happens when you're a free agent and you have a contract year before you hit free agency. You mean like a, a monster year during your contract year? Right. Like yeah. he did. He had yeah. a 70 points. He had a 30 goal, 70 point season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and basically openly opine for each other through social media. Yeah. For so, years. so I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I was just put off by it. I just think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, Matt Duchesne has a reputation as being a player that teams cannot win championships with. And through two years, he has done little to prove that wrong. And I think within reason, the Predators should try to get rid of Matt Duchesne. I don't think they should go overboard because right. you, you should see on my comment section the kind of deals that people are coming up with. Like three first round, the, the, the Kraken are going to want oh, three God. first round picks. Oh, come I'm on. like, no, you're not going to do that. But he's still better than anybody else they're going to have. Maybe <laughs> on offense. Um, but I just think that it, here's a question for you. You're going to write a bunch of expansion articles up until when they have to submit their their list on the 17th of July. Mm-hmm. Is there ever going to be a list that you write for the Athletic that includes Matt Duchesne as being protected? No. That okay. That answers one question. Is there ever a list that does not have Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, Philip Forsberg? Unprotected. Those four. No. Okay, so that leaves and us. And UC Soros. Well, and UC Soros is, is yes. assuming, yeah, we he's protected. To me, I Which think Which leaves us like, th- like three or four names I for did, like three spots. To me, I think there are five locks. Roman Yossi, of course. Matias Ekholm. Ryan Ellis. Philip Forsberg. And UC Soros. Okay. That's it. Those are the only ones I am confident in saying. So there's four spots left. Or if you went seven and three, there would be more spots. But I doubt that. So I think Alex Carey has to be a lock, personally. Let me ask you a question. Would you protect five defensemen? Because you can. I I think I might. Now, the irony of this entire conversation and all the work you're putting in brainpower-wise to write these articles is that if they figure out a way to make a deal with Seattle to take Matt Duchesne, everyone's protected then. 
All, all 24 players or whatever, 21 players that are on the roster that are under contract are protected in theory, which is what I said last week on the show. You could do Arvidsson and Duchesne to Seattle and everyone else is protected. In a traditional sense, if you're going to think it's traditional and there is no Seattle deal in place, the question is, do you protect Ryan Johansson? Because if you do not protect Ryan Johansson, then you can protect five defensemen and keep Forsberg, Luke Cunning, and Colton Sissons protected. And then you're daring the Kraken to take one of your $8 million centers. Right. And, you know, I just think that NHL GMs are going to be less freewheeling this time around. I mean, when you look at the roster that the Golden... When you look at the roster of the players the Golden Knights actually chose in the expansion draft, there were a lot of players on that list that actually never played a game for the Golden Knights. But... You know, they were able to get William Carlson from Columbus. They were able to get Al- uh, Alex Tuck from Minnesota. They were able to get uh, Marc-Andre Fleury right. from right. Pittsburgh. Like, they were able to work. They took advantage of— they put together uh, a pretty good team. Yeah. I don't think GMs are going to do that again. I think a lot of GMs are going to say, you know what? We're losing a player. We're not paying a premium to keep a guy. Yeah. So take him if you want him. So, again, this is the question. If, if, if Dante Fabro is unprotected— and you have Ryan Johansson protected and Matt Duchesne unprotected, why is Seattle taking Duchesne and not Fabro? Right. Same with Carrier. I mean, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, you, the only option to me is to leave Johansson and Duchesne protected. Protect your best assets and then see if you can so work So you said deal. Colton Sissons over Callie Yarncroke. Is that because Sissons has more money left on Like, Like, it's funny because... I think he's a... I, well, here, well, like, think about this. You're, you're right. That's a good debate between those two well, guys. Well, think about... so. I remember talking to David Poyle right after the expansion draft four years ago. And we talked about the decision to protect Callie Yarncroke over James Neal. And I'll always remember that David called it a business decision because Callie had five years left on his contract at the time. He was younger. James had one year left on his deal. And he was he was about to be 30 years old. It made sense. Even though James Neal was the better player, you're probably. Ta- you're talking to the president of the Callie Yarncroke fan I know, club, but so. I'm just saying like... <laughs> So let's play the same. Let's play the same game. Victor Arvidsson has what four years left, three years left on his deal. Yeah. Like, well, we can play this with Callie Yarncroke or it, or it's, Colton Sissons. It's, it's Callie and Colton is the debate to me. So that's Callie has one year left on his contract, and Sissons has got like four. I would keep I, Colton Sissons is the guy I would keep. Yeah. I just and it's not the the other question is is I have about I know I've like totally busted your chops about this on Colt Cali Yarncrook and I know all he does is score goals. Is he going to replicate that level of per game per minute production longer term? Are you resigning him? I just think there are other things like to me Colton is the is the smarter keep. I, I again if you expose Cali Yarncrook or Matt Duchesne, who are they going to pick? If it's Matt Duchesne and Dante Fabro, who are they going to pick? If it's Matt Duchesne and Alex Carrier, I'm taking Carrier. You know, like if I'm the the Kraken, it's almost every one of these pieces. If it's Sissons or Duchesne, I might take Sissons because of the contract status you just talked about. So almost all of this hinges on can you work a deal to get Matt Duchesne to go to Seattle? That's it. It's almost all dependent on that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they're not going to make a deal with you, you have to protect as many assets as you can. And to me, that's protecting Sissons, protecting Fabro. Uh, assuming Cunning and Forsberg and all the other guys are protected too. Mm-hmm. And you expose Johansson, you expose Duchesne, and you say, take Callie Yarncrook instead of those two guys. Yeah. And, and I... Like, here's the thing about Callie Yarncrook. 
we know how indispensable he is, but he's not irreplaceable. Yeah, that's a interesting sentence. But yeah, I agree with you. But like, even like he's an important you. player. Yeah. But he like if you lose Cali Yarncroke, you're not losing like the fabric of your team. No, but he's he's a glue guy though. For sure, that's but then sure. you hope you have other glue guys. Glue's cheap on the shelf. Normally, you can go buy glue. It's hard to buy goal scoring. Uh, Adam Vingen, where can people find you? At theathletic.com. I, I, I want you to tell me exactly who's on your list. Who's going to be on your list when you publish uh, this story? I'm not telling you. <laughs> Tune into theathletic.com. You know why he's not telling you, folks? Because he doesn't even know who he's going to put on the list yet. Or that, I want you to pay for it. And definitely you should pay for it. That's also true as well. If Sorry you're listening that. to this podcast, we've been doing this now, what, for close to a year? <laughs> Almost. Well, about three quarters, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic now, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm not giving away all my shit for free. <laughs> I got a baby on the way. These are fair points. You're making some. I would like to shout out two of my readers. Okay. Todd and Daniel. Daniel Kearns and Todd Marshall, I believe, is his last name. I will say this to those of you listening. He rattles off these names. They're not written down. He does this almost once a week on this show. Adam, I'm saying this genuinely. Your appreciation and memory of your readers. I appreciate how how much that means to you. It I'm does, serious. I'm because serious. without look, without them, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in. So I'd like to thank Todd and Daniel because Todd and Daniel went on my baby registry <laughs> oh, and man. bought me baby stuff. So you can be bribed. Todd bought me a set of books. Bought us, Bridget and I, a set of books. <laughs> it's for the baby. And <laughs> uh, and and Daniel bought uh, a baby carrier, bought like the me. ones that you like wear, like you like strap on. It's a small, so it's for Bridget. It's definitely not for me. Those are important to have. Um, You're gonna want those. I'm gonna have to get a bigger one. Um, we had multiple. So I'd like to thank Todd and Daniel for doing that. And yeah. So all right, shout out to Daniel and Nathan for spending all of their free time who listen to this show at Jasper's. <laughs> they go to Jasper's all the time. They have watch parties at Jasper's. And if you're a listener who listens to this show and cares about us, please go to Jasper's because they are a wonderful sponsor of this show that keeps it free for you guys. You guys out there, go to Jasper's, okay? Spend some time, spend some money on our great, wonderful sponsor. The food is great. The parking is free. The atmosphere is wonderful. The ambiance, spectacular. It's way more fun than deciding on who's going to be on the Predators expansion list. It's way more fun. The food's far better than all these choices that Predators have. There's no question about it. Follow them on Twitter, folks. At Adam Vingan, pay for good journalism at theathletic.com. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook at 440 Media on Instagram. Thank you all for listening. This has been the gold standard on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>